your sexual fetish is what? What is up, sapiosexuals? Thank you for turning on Sex in South Beach with America's sex educator, Dr. Sanjaya. So the sex situation we're getting into today is all about fetishes. So what is a sexual fetish? Basically, any sexually arousing stimuli that someone really gets turned on during sex. You know what I'm saying? Like anything that really arouses them and they really want it whenever they have sex. That is what a sexual fetish is. But you know what? Medical doctors diagnose someone with a sexual fetish when they rely on a non-living object for sexual arousal and satisfaction. But that's a little bit different from mental health doctors. Mental health doctors consider a sexual fetish, yes, when someone is aroused by a non-living object, but also they can have a sexual fetish if they are aroused by a non-genital body part. For example, the feet or the fingers, all of this falls under the mental health umbrella of a sexual fetish. You got it? And according to both of these body and mind disciplines, the medical doctors and the mental health doctors, in order for a fetish to be diagnosed as a disorder, a fetishistic disorder exactly, the arousal must persist for at least six months. And you know what? It should also mess up many other areas of your life. Otherwise, you just got a fetish, not a fetishistic disorder. You understand what I'm saying? For example, someone can't go to work regularly because they're indulging in their fetish, or someone can't have a normal sexual relationship with other people because their fetish does not involve humans. Hmm. Now, how common are sexual fetishes? What? It is pretty safe to say that just about everybody from your best friend to your boss has some sort of fetish. Simply getting turned on by one body part more than another or enjoying lingerie, well, all that falls under the fetish definition. But that doesn't make it wrong, baby. Mm -mm. For example, I simply love that pelvic area that physically fit men have. You know, that space that connects their abdomen to their thighs. And when it's all lean and cut out, that's very attractive. I call it the pelvic triangle. Very, very attractive to me. It really turns me on. Probably explains why I don't have any, like, chunky ex-boyfriends, too. <laughs> because believe me, I have tried, girl. Yes, I have. <laughs> all right, back to the fetish business at hand. Of all the studies that have been conducted, at least 75% of people openly admit to having some sort of specialized sexual fantasy, meaning that whatever you're into, now, as long as it's legal, doesn't hurt others, is consensual, guess what? Somebody else is probably into it too. So regardless of your specific fetish, you are not alone. Mm -mm -mm. There is a partner out there for you. But before we go any further, I need to tell you that today's episode is dedicated to the man who emailed me with his sexual fetish question. Let's just call him the man with the small penis emasculation fetish. <laughs> See, isn't that a very confidential way of talking directly to him without the rest of y'all knowing who I'm talking about? And to make sure we are all on the same page, let me share his specific question, which goes something like this. Dear Dr. Sanjaya, I love your videos. See, very smart guy there. <laughs> I wanted to submit a question of my own. 
I have a small penis humiliation fetish and was wondering if I should stop feeling like this because it's weird or let my future partner be aware of this. I am also into humiliation pegging. For example, a girl wearing a strap-on and comparing her strap-on to my size. I've never asked a girl to do any of these things to me before, but I'm curious about it and wanted to know your thoughts on it. All right, baby, let's do this. One, thanks for reaching out. It is great that you're really into learning about sex, which is the first qualification to being a good sex partner. Two, If your fetish interferes with your normal activities, including work, having friendships, and romantic relationships with others, then you definitely should get some help, okay? Because I want you to be able to build and sustain a fulfilling life. And if it's interfering with your ability to do that, you definitely need help. But if this fetish is not disturbing your normal life and you simply really enjoy it when your partner emasculates your penis size and that really turns you on, then you know what? I think that is definitely something that you can share with your partner. Definitely. It sounds to me like your fetish is actually humiliation play. Now, this falls under the category of psychological play, and this is basically sexual play of the mind. You know what I'm saying? Another example of humiliation play is when a submissive partner gets off on being called names. And in your case, these names would be derogatory or emasculating comments about your penis. Like, man, why is your penis so small? What? You expect me to do a guy with that tiny little penis? So when you're discussing this with your current or your future partner, it's going to help to put it into context. For example, I have a sexual fetish that involves psychological play. See, that sounds so much better and sexier than I have a small penis emasculation fetish. You know what I'm saying? Also, you should know that many men enjoy when a woman straps on a penis. Honestly, I've talked to a lot of couples who are into this, so you are not alone. Some men even want the woman to penetrate their anus after they've strapped it on. And I want you to be clear about this. These men do not identify as homosexual. They are not attracted to other men, but they do get a lot of sexual satisfaction from their female partner penetrating them with a strap on. Now, obviously, a woman who you want to build a fulfilling sexual relationship with, she should know about this information, right? Because without it, she cannot satisfy you sexually. And why would you want to be with someone who cannot satisfy your sexual desires? When should you tell her? Now, hmm, you know what I think? I think you should do it on the first date. (laughs) Psych, just kidding. Seriously, I think the best time to share this information is when you are sure that you are really into your girl and you really like her and you're pretty sure that she likes you a lot too and you guys have discussed working towards something like a longer lasting relationship, which means you've shared enough time together and conversations and these conversations are centered around like you want to try to build something strong, something satisfying, something that can fulfill your sexual, your mental, your companionship needs. You know what I'm saying? And then there's that beautiful period after the first month of liking someone and before the end of the third month. And you know what I call the end of the third month? I call it D-Day for Decision Day (laughs) because most sexual relationships need at least three months before they go anywhere serious. And despite the best intentions, most don't ever last more than 90 days. (laughs) But when you're deep in that obsession, right after the first month, but before you end the third month, that is the ideal time, assuming that you're seeing each other regularly, you know? 
So I hope that helps and thanks so much for emailing me. Now, if you have a sex question that you want answered in a future show, simply email me at S-O-N-J-I-A at D-R-S-O-N-J-I-A, that's Sanjaya at drsanjaya.com, and I will do my best to answer it for you. I had so much fun with you, and I can't wait to do it again at Sex in South Beach, where everyone comes for happier, healthier sex.